Hello and welcome to episode 44 of Constructing Comics, a podcast building stories one page and one panel at a time. On this episode, we are reviewing the 12-issue series, Mr. Miracle, released by DC Comics in 2017. This is your spoiler alert for the Mr. Miracle series. The creative team on this book is Tom King, writer, Mitch Jarrett's on art, Clayton Clowes is your letterer, and your editors are Molly Mahan and Jamie S. Rich, and the series featured covers by both Nick Darrington and Mitch Jarrett's. Mr. Miracle is created by Jack Kirby. Um, this is Matt, and I'm joined by my co-host, Noah. Hey there. So, Noah, why don't you um, lead us off with your, your first thoughts, your initial thoughts, um, how much you enjoyed this series, and then we'll, we'll, we'll go into a deep dive. Yeah, I really enjoyed this series. I, I, was, I tried to make it every month to pick it up first day. Um, mm-hmm. For at the comic shop, um, whenever an issue was coming out, it was sort of one of those books that I would make a trip on Wednesday for. Um, except for the first two issues, I didn't know that it was going to be as popular, and so I had to get a second printing of the first issue because that was just how big it was. Um, and uh, yeah, like no comic book shop that I went into had number one until the second printing. Um, and it's 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 worth that. It was worth selling out. It's such a good it's such a good series. I think it'll be one of those that'll be studied, kind of like how Watchmen is. Maybe not as like in depth as Watchmen or V for Vendetta or something like that, but it'll be up there as far as like just sort of one of those graphic novels that people return back to and talk about in years to come. But what do you think of it? Yeah, I uh, I really liked it a lot. Um, I had no real experience with the Mr. Miracle character before this. Um, you know, I had seen back issues, I had seen images of it, um, but this was a really, really interesting take. And uh, I had a similar experience. I forgot to um, order the first issue. Um, and I think maybe like on a Friday, um, I went into the LCS and uh, the guy was like, do you have one already? And I'm like, no. And he's like, honor system. And I'm like, nope. I, I missed out on a Wednesday. All I want is all I want is one copy. So they were, they were, uh, they were, you know, holding them so that you could only get one because it, it was very, very popular uh, right from the start. Yeah, I don't have very much experience with the fourth world characters either, outside of just them popping up in Justice League cartoons and comics here and there. So. This is a good education for me to read this series. Yeah. So what would you think is the, the, the overall theme of uh, this series? I would say uh, escaping death or and escaping life. The two, the big ones. Uh, that's the whole, I think, I think that's the big, that's the big theme of the whole story. But what do you think? Okay. No, I can see that. I, but I also see that there's a lot of, um, uh, father and sons um, dealing yeah. with dealing with uh, you know being a father and then also having to deal with your father and in this strange scenario where your father is uh, you know an evil evil celestial being so um, there's a, there's a lot of themes of like um, uh, fathers and sons and and and, and that and in this yeah like right from the start they start off with uh, establishing uh Mr. Miracle's relationship to his father and uh 
sort of his background. That's sort of a big thing that they bring up throughout the whole thing. Um, and his father figures because they bring into it uh, sort of how he's like sort of off his, like, you know, off balance without, um, uh, what's his name? Um, uh, Oberon. Yeah. Yeah. So he's off balance because he doesn't have Oberon and also because he doesn't have high father. So those were his sort of two father figure characters in his life that, you know, that dark side or, you know, um, then of course he's got the overbearing brother that sort of becomes the abusive father figure almost at points. Um, yeah. Okay. So what did you think about sort of the, uh, the storytelling in here? Not, uh, not shocking. We get a lot of, uh, nine page or not, sorry, nine panel, nine panel grids. Um, uh, the sort of, you know, the, the beats are sort of, um, very rhythmic you know there's there's not a lot of like that that big splash page or the wide view panel that you're gonna you're gonna pause on for a while it's sort of like one two three four you're just sort of moving through the story at a uh, at an even pace so what, what do you think about that i think it's great i mean i think it's i thought it was a really cool experimental way to tell a whole story because i'm looking through the book right now and not very many pages aren't nine pages panel grids looks like almost the whole book except for that first opening double uh double page uh splash everything is separated into nine panels and even that means sometimes even like one panel will be split into three panels um or like one solid image will be three panels uh like sorry will be nine panels split into it but i think what's what's cool about it is is that you know they use the format to, to have this rhythmic pacing, but also to just sort of mess with the pacing at times as well and mess with the space of certain mm -hmm. things. So there's a lot of, uh, especially in like issue, uh, I think it's issue six, let me see, um, where they go in to kill Orion. Uh, there's a lot of great space work in establishing the geography of the area with using those nine panel grids. Is so that, sometimes it's top down, sometimes it's like, you know, levels. It's a pretty great issue. That's the one that's sort of like boss battles, right? It's sort yeah. of like as they as they progress through the the fortress, it gets harder and harder and harder. So yeah, they did do a yeah. great job of sort of it's almost you know, at some points it's like a 2D side scroller and you're sort of, you know, moving along the the levels or the floors or um, the different aspects of the of the fort they were going through. So that was that was a very cool one. Yeah. And even in that one they sort of they kind of break the nine panels in the sense that all of a sudden the white is uh, sort of acting as the white of the panel borders is acting as a door that's coming down on them that's about to crush them. So the panels get smaller as like Barda's trying to like keep them from, like keep it from squashing them. And then by the, it's just two pages of that sequence where they're talking and Barda's trying to hold up this the ceiling from it crushing them. And it's a, uh, it's cool. Like I said, it's, it's you know, it, at times where you think you might just sort of get into a pace and get into a rhythm and it just sort of fades into the background. Either Tom King breaks it up with a couple of panels where there's no dialogue or very little dialogue or a lot of dialogue, or you just have these cool format messing with scenes where it's, uh, you know, it just, it plays with uh, whatever the surrounding geography is. Uh, there's also the panels that, uh, 
are sort of distorted, like fuzzy. Yeah. Um, where sort of reality is coming undone or it's showing that maybe this, uh, what we, what we, what we're seeing may not be real. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, like we're watching it on TV or something like like that, because there's always that way of ending each issue, you know? Uh, I mean, they're real in the, uh, you know, in the sense that like what we're seeing, we never know for sure if anything that, uh, Scott's experiencing is real, you know? Yeah, I was gonna. That was gonna be one of the things I was gonna ask you about in the the storytelling, the sort of like the glitchy effect, the uh, yeah, glitch. and then of, then of course we get uh, you know we get a lot of uh, black panels that are just uh, white text that say "Dark Side is" throughout the 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 series. Um, so I think one thing that sort of really, when you think about it as a whole, that kind of messes with your mind is is the way they started off in the that first issue where there's a the and we we said this earlier but there's spoilers um you know scott has a suicide attempt um which is gonna and as so that sort of gives you um as you're reading it you're almost you you know it's it's very similar to like uh jacob's ladder where you kind of like um you know you see it early on and then you you see this whole story and you uh, part of me was thinking as I'm reading it, I'm like, all right, I know what I saw back there in that, you know, either second or third page of that first issue. Is any of this real? Uh, so they, you know, showing you that early on and then doing these like, you know, fuzzy panels, these panels that look like they're glitching out. And as you said, you know, bending reality, that sort of, that sort of always keeps that, um, that story element there of is, 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 uh, Scott free alive. Um, what do you think about that? Yeah, there is that. And there's, there's also the idea of the anti-life equation playing into that because they even bring that up that maybe dark side wrote the current reality to mess with, mess with Scott free because we know from the beginning, that's one of the big plot points that dark side has the anti-life equation. Mm-hmm. So him, they, they even bring that up even in the first issue where they talk about how he could be rewriting things. So every time there's a glitch, Darkseid might be coming in and messing with something or someone else might be messing with something, whoever has control over the anti-life equation. Um, but yeah, I, I like that idea, at least from the first issue. And when I was reading this in single issues and then revisiting again in the trades, um, that effect, not knowing whether what's going back to it to reread it to see if there is a telltale sign of what's like, you know, the, what is real from Scott and what isn't real is a really great, uh, really effective to it and worth multiple readings when you, uh, uh, when you add that into the story elements. That's a very, that was a very cool choice on Tom King and Mitch Garrett's part to include that in the story. Did, uh, Reading it as a you know a solid twelve issue series in a trade did that uh, did that change the 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 reading experience for you as opposed to when you were reading it in singles? I, I think both were really good experiences and both really different. So I, I liked I've enjoyed both experiences a lot. Um, I did like reading it in trade. I read it of course a lot faster because I was just reading it issue by issue, and then sometimes going back and rereading some of the issues as I got them. But uh, no, I think both are good experiences. Both were good experiences and both were rewarding from a reading standpoint and memorable. You know, I don't think people are going to miss out either way. 
Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's there's two schools of thought there. It's sort of like, uh, you know, when you're reading it in singles, you, uh, you know, you get to that cliffhanger and you might have 30 days and it's sort of like, you know, it's, it's in your mind. You're sort of like, Hey, what's going on here? But when you're reading that trade, you get to the cliffhanger and then you have the ability to just flip the page and, and see, you know, what's happening or to continue the story. So there, there, it's two, two, two ways of going about it. So to be able to do it in both ways is, is, is good design and good writing. And Tom King has mentioned in interviews about this book that he wanted to write something like Watchmen. Not exactly like Watchmen where he was ripping it off, but something that sort of captured the cultural zeitgeist, mm-hmm. and maybe the mindset of things, you know, where it's sort of in the book, there's sort of this uneasiness and not knowing what's real, knowing not knowing what to believe throughout the whole thing. And that sort of captures what the current state of things are in the world. Mm-hmm. And uh, like Watchmen was sort of the same way where you were sort of in constant fear of the world ending um, in the height of the Cold War. So it captures the cultural zeitgeist really well in that sense of like how Watchmen does. But another thing that it's very similar to Watchmen is that each chapter is very unique um, in in the issue. It doesn't read like, like say, uh, a typical comic book series where you'll have one, you know, you'll have multiple issues that sort of run together. And then they have, of course, the act breaks, you know, but it tells one unified story. But within this, uh, this book, each issue tells one unified story. Mm-hmm. So it's, you could probably get enjoyment by just picking up a random issue because each issue has a beginning, middle, and an end. And there's no better issue than that than the one where uh, Scott's son, Jake, is born. Like you could take that issue out of context and read it and enjoy it outside of the series. But mm-hmm. it plays really well when you're reading it all together. And that's what made it different reading it month to month compared to other series as well, is that I never felt like, okay, I have to go back and reread things, kind of like what we're doing with Doomsday Clock now, yeah. you know, like where we have to go back and try to remember what's happened in other issues. Um, this, this book has just sort of a nice, simple premise where I, okay, I forgot what happened in this issue. Yeah. And uh, I think you're right. I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of different, uh, um, types of stories here you know you almost have like a romantic comedy issue then you have you know your your action movie issue um uh you know uh, weird sci-fi bending you know otherworldly stuff like when you get all of the the fourth world or sort of like coming in and out so yeah i think uh, i think you're right there there's a lot of different genres uh in this but you know from beginning to end it's it's one one story, but they're, they're, they're messing around with the way they're, they're going about telling it. Yeah. Each issue is a masterpiece unto itself in storytelling. It's so well-crafted and so enjoyable. Um, that's why it's worth collecting the issues and the trade, I think. So, um, let's, uh, let's talk about some of our, our favorites here. Um, I think uh, I alluded to it earlier, but my, my favorite issue is the, um, the, the sort of action adventure side scroller where where Scott and Barta are are making their way through all of the obstacles at the uh, at the fort. Um, how about for you? Yeah, 
And I think one thing that's kind of cool about that issue um, with the side scroller is, is there's also the underlying um, theme of, you know, Bart has got a secret to tell Scott and she's sort of, uh, you know, she's hinting at it the whole way, um, you know, and they're having this almost mundane sort of everyday conversation that a husband and wife would have about the furniture and, and, and you know, converting this room and you know what they want to do with this room and it's almost this comic comedical you know um conversation going along with all this action and then you get the reveal at the end um but uh what were what were some of your favorites Uh, i would say one of my favorite is issue five i think that one it was nightmarish but incredibly sweet for me because i have one of my very personal thing one of my like reoccurring dreams is like my last day on earth, you know, and that like, you know, you're going to die the next day, that kind of thing. And like, how do you spend the day? Mm-hmm. So issue five is really great about that and tapping into sort of those, that fear and maybe sort of that idea of like, what would your perfect last day on earth be? You know, the inevitability of like death mm-hmm. and sort of, okay, so we know like Scott knows he's going to die the next day. So what does he do like with Barda, you know, what do they do around town and stuff like that? And they're, it's sort of maybe a very realistic idea of like maybe what you would do on the last day and sort of how would you act? Um, it's really emotional. It's really sweet. I love that issue. Then I, I do love the issue. I think the issue seven is where um, Jake is born. I like that, but I like the proceed, the issue that um, follows it. Issue eight where Barda and Scott are, alternating between taking care of Jake and fighting on apocalypse. Mm-hmm. There's some great action and great comedy in that. Uh, but you also like, you get the tedious nature of it really fast. Like, like uh, it's a really well done and sort of how monotonous both aspects of life are taking care of the sun and taking care of the stuff on your Genesis. But like clearly, excuse me, like Barda and Scott love taking care of their son. Like, it's just so great to see that. And, uh, you get some great um, funky Flash Man in that as yeah. well. And that, that one, they allude a lot, lot to him being Stanley in that one. And then Jake, he keeps calling him Jack the whole issue. <laughs> and uh, he even talks about stories to each other. And mm-hmm. Funky says, well, I just, uh, you know, uh, was I just tell him the stories but we make it up together is what he says like it's like it's something that's very on the nose stanley and it's, mm-hmm. it's pretty great oh here it is this is what he said um this is an issue nine or i guess uh maybe 10 uh no this would be uh, this would be issue 10 actually so this is after issue nine where they agree to where they get the the terms of uh surrender mm-hmm. they have to give jake to dark side and then so issue 10 Following that, they um, it's his birthday, so they're uh, and Scott's trying to. It's, it's, it's a very it's repetitious of what um, issue five was, where it's sort of the last day. Um, but Funky says this in there, and he says, uh, "Genius Jake doesn't have to talk. Funky talks plenty. He provides all the imaginations. I do the words. That's uh, like yeah. So it's very." very on the nose, like uh, commentary on Stanley and Jack Kirby's relationship, but not in a condemning way. Like it shows sort of how both of them, you know, loved each other and sort of wanted to, it's like, it takes, it, it definitely holds them up in high regard. Um, Jack and in that relationship. Uh, but there's a lot of, 
Jack Kirby stuff throughout the whole thing. Um, but those are my favorite issues, I think. Yeah, so five, uh, five um, and eight probably are my two favorites, though. Yeah. Okay. Um, how about a uh, a favorite panel? Um, I'll go. I'll go first here. Yeah. Um, I I really enjoy Dark Side um, having the carrot out of the uh, the veggie tray. Um, just 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 seeing Dark Side you know, enjoying, enjoying a veggie tray was, 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 was worth it. So, uh, how about you? Um, there's that one. And I, I really love, there's one that really sticks out to me and it's, it's Barda and, uh, and Scott and it's repeated a couple of times throughout the series where it's just a shot of them from behind as the boom tube opens. I really like how they repeat that panel in there and they do it throughout the whole series. And it's, it's great to see, like, you know, it just shows them standing side by side. It's, it's so formal, but yet informal at the same time. It's, uh, yeah, there's a lot going on. It's, it's pretty great. Yeah, um, I, I enjoyed the whole thing. Um, so do you want to, like, uh, move into breaking it down uh, as, as, as a whole, or is there anything else you want to you wanna try to cover here? Oh no, yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready to break it down. Sorry about my connection. Oh, no problem at all. Um, so, you know, early or on, I said that I, I saw a lot of the the themes of uh, uh, coming to grips with with being a father um, and, and and dealing with your father. Um, and I think uh, I think a lot of that is uh, my situation in life, um, and I probably. You know, I'm, I'm guessing here, um, Tom King, you know, uh, having having children, he probably has a lot of the same uh, same thoughts on like, uh, you know, ra- you know, just being well, depending on your situation. But like it's it's sort of a shock, um, you know, that that first time that you're, you, you know, you're responsible for for a small, small, small kid or a small being. So. Um, you know, that, that was, that was one of the themes that I, I took away from it, but how about you? Yeah. Like, I, you know, not being a father or anything like that, that, that definitely did hit me strongly. And it just, that just speaks to it being a very effective emotional story, mm-hmm. you know, loving something and wanting to care for it is, uh, you know, that's objective and that gets to me. I think what, what really hits me and I talked about at the beginning, what take, what I take away from it is the sort of wanting to escape from responsibility of life or the, you know, that kind of thing where he's from the beginning, he kills himself basically because he wants to escape. You know? mm-hmm. um, and uh, then throughout the whole book, that's, that's sort of a theme that they carry on through it, whether he's trying to, you know, uh, escape a war, escape certain life, escape certain responsibilities, that kind of thing. Um, yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's that to me across the book. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I really like that. That, that spoke to me personally, just because, you know, in life responsibility can really get to you and you kind of always are looking for the easy way out. So that's almost like, uh, I, I would think looking at this as like a storytelling element, that's almost like the, the A plot and the, the, the whole you know, family drama, you know, dealing with, with being a new father. That's almost like the, like the B plot is, is, would you agree with that? Yeah. And then the C plot is all the meta tech 
textual references to comics and Jack Kirby and the, the art form itself that they lay throughout the whole book. Okay. Um, I think that's going to do it for me. Um, I, I don't think it shocks anybody who's listened to this podcast that we're, we, we enjoyed it. We've, uh, we've sung the praises of both, uh, Mitch and, and Tom uh, on, on our podcast. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're not the only ones. I think, uh, I think it won two Eisners. Um, uh, it's nominated for two more. Two more. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're not alone in, in our praise of, of this book. So um, I'll let you uh, close us out with our final thoughts before we, we go into our, our, our wrap up. Uh, yeah, I love this series. Like I said, uh, it's one that I have issues that I, I have had to buy mo- multiple issues of them just because I, I wear out a certain copy of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so like there are certain ones that I keep in the bag and then there are the ones that I'm looked at a lot because I just loved it so much. So yeah, it's one of those series for me. Yeah, it'll probably, um, and this is this is probably a pretty safe guess, but this is probably going to be one of these evergreen um uh, prod, products for, for DC, you know, uh, you know, Watchmen sells so many copies every year. Um, Dark Knight sells so many copies every year. You know, I don't know if this is going to be quite those, but this is going to be something that's going to sell and sell, um, every year. And, you know, it's, it's got a big presence in like the, the book market, like, you know, your Barnes and your Barnes and Noble. So, uh, it, it probably will see a little bit of a second or a third life there. Definitely. Yeah. So, all right. Well, uh, that's going to do it for our recap. Um, uh, anybody who hasn't read Mr. Miracle and um, enjoyed this, I, I would say go out and get yourself a copy. Um, so I'd like to thank everybody for listening. Um, if they could go on to iTunes and give us a rating and review, we'd really appreciate it. Uh, we are also now on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. Google Podcast and tune in. Um, if you want to give us a follow on Twitter, we are at Construct Compod. We are on Instagram at Constructing Comics Pod. And we are on Facebook at Facebook forward slash Constructing Comics. We have a YouTube channel called Constructing Comics where we do uh, podcasts that are basically creator spotlights where we pick one creator and we sort of do a visual deep dive uh, on their work. Um, So I'm going to have links to all of those social media posts um, or social media sites in our show notes. And I'd like to thank everybody for joining us and um, sort of a new call to action I have to everybody is for everybody to go out and make some comics and we'll be back uh, very soon with another episode. Thank you.